Hey, Josh. Hey, Nate. How are you this week? I'm doing really good. The sun is shining and life is good. How about you? Yeah, sun is shining. It's humid. Yes. I don't know if we've mentioned that before, but yeah, it's it's humid and uh, but yeah, life is life is pretty good here. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's been so humid here the last couple of days. I think though this whole week we've had heat warnings because of the humidity. Tomorrow. Yeah, I think today uh, we have one of those um, ones where like our energy company has even said if you dial down your energy usage, we'll like give you like bonus credits or something. <laughs> Sweet. So, um, anyway, so today I thought we would talk a bit about SEO. I know we've danced around the topic a lot. It happens often in our uh, breakdowns of distribution strategies for SaaS companies, things like that. So thought we'd dig a little bit deeper um, for two reasons. Um, one is you seem to have more questions on SEO lately, uh, mm-hmm. especially more specifically related to your project. Um, and the the other reason is it is a common question I've gotten before. Um, our, our friend of the show, Colleen, asked me a few weeks ago kind of a more about SEO because she does get a lot of distribution from the Heroku store, but just kind of asked about how to like level up her SEO and marketing. So I had a conversation with her, I had some notes and things like that. So I thought it'd be an interesting episode for us to kind of go through some of that for a broader audience, in addition to laying a groundwork where we can have a more fun conversation about tactical SEO for your specific project. Yeah, that's perfect. It sounds like a relevant topic right now. Cool. Uh, so I did want to start out with a, just a, a brief, a brief piece of just, like I said, I think it's probably one of the best distribution strategies you can do, especially for a B2B SaaS, um, more than likely with a B2B SaaS, you are probably going after an existing audience or an existing market of sorts. So, you know, no better place than kind of hitting up Google and, and getting, you know, getting hopefully some search intent towards your product or to bring awareness. Uh, and uh, one of the other key things about it, which you know I love, is it's building an asset. Um, and it's something I think every SaaS uh, founder or early stage needs to kind of start thinking of building that muscle. Uh, so yeah, what do you think and, about that? And, and like, let's be honest, like you love looking at the numbers on things and just like, oh, look, it's up by five today. Hmm, let's see what we can do to make that up by 10 tomorrow. Yeah, I'm a little uh, efficiency and stat uh, uh, stat crazy, I would say. Um, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a, little, a little too addicted to that. Yeah, but it totally makes sense as an asset. Like I think maybe we could dive into this a bit later is like some people worry about, you know, what if Google changes the algorithm and all that sort of thing. But I think on the whole, if you're, if you're doing a good job at it, it seems to be that like, you're just building a, like a lead, a lead source. Right. And it's pretty much free. Like you build out your content and um, yeah, once you have it going, you just keep the server running. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think it, it what it can do is like I said, it's building an asset and it compounds, right? So, like, the better you get at it, uh, 
the more tricks you learn, I wouldn't even call tricks, strategies and tactics mm-hmm. and things like that, like it just builds upon itself um, and just becomes something that just works while you sleep, which I think is the perfect thing for uh, like a early stage or actually I get any stage. Of course, you want this asset always running and always bringing you leads. But even if you're slow growing your product, starts out very simple as a tool, works its way into a solution while you're trying to do all these things at the same time, if you can get that engine going and it's like steadily giving you, you know, let's say five to 10 signups a week or something like that, it just gives you like a constant like flow of, of people to work with, customers to potentially talk to, um, things to test. And yet, like if you're doing this part-time, uh, you know, it's working at night, you know, it's, it's working while you're working in your, your full-time job trying to get this off the ground. Yeah, exactly. And you just can't get that with like paid or anything else, right? Like anything else is going to be so expensive. Well, not just expensive, but just it requires like a, so there's one, yes, expensive. And another one is just, or if you're trying to do up product hunt launches and you're trying to, mm-hmm. like there's always, you you keep having to put more work into like getting attention, right? Yeah. So yeah. You're, you're tying yourself to the Google engine <laughs> or the search engine, you know, whether it's Bing or, or Google, for the most part, we're going to be probably talking about Google. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once there are people out there, hopefully looking for your product or looking for something related or mm-hmm. querying about a pain point um, of some sort. And if you can, in my mind, get in that conversation, uh, potentially just give you the opportunity to be in front of them to match their intent, because that's what ultimately Google wants out of searches is mm-hmm. if someone's searching for something, they want to present results that are relevant. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you want to kind of talk about some tactics or something like that next? Uh, we can, I, I mean, some of the things I did want to talk about are just the common reasons people don't do it. So this okay. is like, um, so I think one of the first ones most people think it is it takes a long time, right? They're like, oh, mm-hmm. you'll hear this from every agency. And I think that's kind of part of the crux of the problem is one of the, nothing wrong with agencies, but they can't, they can't guarantee you anything, right? So, and, yeah. and they don't want to, I wouldn't want to hang my hat on a result and say, yes, I can get you ABC, you know, the, these search results, you know, top, top 10 for this search query in like two weeks. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just, you know, as a business, you can't promise things you can't control. Like, I can promise you the content. I can promise mm-hmm. you maybe getting a couple backlinks. I can promise you ABC, but I can't promise you that you're going to be in, like, the top 10. Right, and that kind of makes sense as, like, an uninformed buyer of marketing service. Like, if you don't know anything about SEO, you're like, well, why would I throw my money at the possibility of getting leads when... You know, I could put money towards paid advertising and I know I'm going to get X number of clicks or something like that, right? Right, right. So I, I think it, 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 you do have to have a longer term mentality, but I actually don't think it takes as long as most people think. Like you've heard of, you know, it's going to take three months. And that's what an mm-hmm. agency will tell you because it just gives them like the worst case scenario, right? Yeah, yeah. So like um, but, when you say when you say it doesn't you don't think it takes that long what what would be the short end of that do you think What do you mean like what's the sh- the fastest it could happen Yeah 
Um, I mean, I think things can happen like in a matter of a week if it if it yeah, okay. if all that if all the things kind of align up correctly. Like you're mm-hmm. getting indexed, getting picked up. It could be for a term that is hot for a reason. Um, it could be a very low traffic term or like a, a, a long tail type of thing that Google doesn't have great results for. And they're always kind of searching for new things for that. So there's a lot of, it depends and considerations, but I mean, it can happen in a week. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's good. That's good to get an idea of what your time frame is. Cause like, I'm like, well, it's been two hours, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, and this is, this is what we'll get into a little bit. Um, but yeah, like it's almost like you got to think about how Google's thinking about it. And I think that's mm-hmm. the best part of it. So I did mention search intent as a very strong one. I think that'll keep coming up because it's so easy as a business to be thinking about, well, what do I want? Not what the user wants. Like I want them to come here, but it's like, if you don't align with the search intent mm-hmm. and which Google is essentially trying to align their best thing, it is under, is there, it is their best advantage to aligned with the search intent. Cause you as a searcher, if it doesn't align, like you're going to make, this is crap. I'm going to go somewhere else. Right. Yeah. And there's 50 million other websites that also have similar content to your own. So, you know, they'll just serve up the ones that are more relevant. Right. 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 So yeah. So if you're not, if you're not aligning yourself with the search intent and thinking how you look on the search results, mm-hmm. um, you know, and actually Thinking through, like, not, oh, it would be awesome if they would come find me for this. It's like, does that actually make sense to the end user for them to find you for this? Right. So, right. Right. Like, if you have like super awesome platinum soap um, on your website, you know, maybe it's not the best thing to be trying to get search intent for super awesome platinum soap. Instead, maybe you want to say, you know, uh, soap that cleans better than the typical soap or something like that. Right. Or alternatives to like Dove soap, or maybe it's a competitor or other things mm-hmm. like that. You have to think of like, how would that person find you? They're not going to say if platinum soap is not something they're used to thinking about, or maybe it is. I don't know what platinum soap is, or is that the <laughs> brand you made up? <laughs> That's the, yeah. They made it or up. the material, is it literally like made out of platinum? <laughs> but if that was, let's just say, for, the, for this case, it was literally made out of platinum and it was like a new type of soap, right? right? It could just be like, you know, it's just like why platinum soap is better than like, you know, regular soap. <laughs> right. And I guess if you want to think of it like in the bricks and mortar terms, like it's kind of like someone walks into your store, they have a problem, they need to clean their car. Um, and it's your job to inform them about like why they should use this particular soap as opposed to any other soap. And so if you can do that by answering their, by putting up, you know, a page that says, Hey, do you have this question? You know, then here's our answer. That's kind of the the structure of things. Right. Yep. Yep. But before we get into tactics, I did want to kind of, so what we did mention is most people think it takes longer and Mm -hmm. I don't think it does. (laughs) So, um, there are definitely cases where it takes longer, but I don't think that's usually the reason people like are like, Oh, well I need results fast. So I'm going to go and do this but it's like it's a seed you got to plant it you got to start building that muscle because you know in three months uh when that when that tree is starting to sprout you're going to be like oh this is awesome right so like 
you got to think about that, but it could be a week. I don't want to dissuade people and just think that it's going to take a super long time. Um, The other one we mentioned is searchers intent. So thinking of that, so that's definitely going to come up in the type of content you create. Mm -hmm. Um, The other one I did want to mention, I think is important for people to understand is like SEO does not equal content marketing and blog post. Hmm. So that's a good good one because I kind of lump those together in my head. Right now it is the underlying strategy that these are usually getting distribution, but it doesn't mean you need to write, like you need to have like a, like all these blog posts necessarily, like it can be programmatic, right? It can come out of your product, things Mm -hmm. like that, which I think we'll touch on a little bit when we get into more of the tactical questions you might have. Mm -hmm. Um, it could be UGC, uh, user-generated content. So like if you look at the Captairs and the G2s, they're taking content and remixing it out of a product that is written by and and people going in there and updating their profile of like what their product does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so those are kind of the main, and now can be handwritten content. And the biggest reason I want to bring up, it's not, necessarily just thinking about blog posts and content marketing. Um, Most people think about blog posts and content marketing as like a news feed or uh, like you look at TechCrunch or you look at all of these things. Um, You look at the Huffington Post, there are articles that come out and they, once they're out there, like like a newspaper or a newsletter or an email newsletter, it doesn't change. Right, like it's out yeah. there and static to the world. Once it's published, it's like probably not getting updated. Right, and so your point is that the content we generate doesn't necessarily have to be that. Exactly. Yeah. So, like the whether it's a blog post or any of these things out there, you're putting out for Google. They like you are free to update it. Like, please mm-hmm. update it. And actually, this is part of the best way you need to think about it. Is especially for SEO, you want to think about it as a feedback closed loop system where you're putting out content, you are testing to see if you are going to match a searcher's intent, if you're going to match what Google is looking for, for that keyword. And also what you're, what you're doing is you want to see how Google sees it. So that's where Google's own tool called uh, GSC or Google search console. I think it used to be called webmaster tools way back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is basically going to give you an insight to how Google crawls, how it looks at. So again, you got to think like Google, right? Um, and this is one of the most interesting things that because it's going to, it's essentially they're going to give you all the hints you want to try to rank better, and then you can go and update that same piece of content to try to align more with those searcher intent and the Google intent. So. Um, most people yeah. think about blog posts, I'm like writing 50 and that's it. And I'm like, basically it's a crapshoot every time. It's like, <laughs> no, you have this stuff and you can go and look in things like Google Search Console and understand what gets picked up, what gets experimented on um, mm-hmm. and how you can increase those. Um, right. And then it's less it's less intimidating then because like 50 blog posts, that takes a long time to write. But if you write you know, two or three on topics that you already know and understand, and then you're just optimizing those, then that that seems a lot less intimidating. Right. 
and start with the stuff you know. Start with the easy, the easy things. Um, mm. So um, one of the other ones I wanted to kind of bring up as like a easy or or, or a, a common misnomer for, especially for SaaS founders, is like one of the tactics I always talk about in this is essentially try to be in the conversation for whatever market you're in. So um, we could take, you know, your, uh, your, your monitoring software for like a status list, right? So like uptime, uptime monitoring types of things. And one of the easiest things to do that I think founders are often kind of skittish about is like writing versus articles or alternative articles. Yeah. Um, and I think they're usually skittish for two reasons. One is they feel like, well, one, uh, I don't want to mention other competitors because if they come to my page, they might now be aware of another competitor. So there's kind of like a fear there. Mm-hmm. Another one is, is it kind of, do I think it's kind of scammy or sleazy to be writing about someone else's? Now I look like, like insecure and I'm just dogging other people. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you think of those? Are those, is yeah, that, that- that sounds pretty accurate. I think, I think actually in general, like early stage founders don't like to be compared to anybody else. They, cause it's just like, you know, you feel insecure and all those sorts of things. Um, but I think I can see why you would say that it's a good idea, right? Because if someone's searching for uptime software and you have, you know, uh, reasons why your software is better than others, then like telling that to the world seems like a, the perfect idea. Right. right. So there, yeah, definitely. So like, I think it, it helps on multiple levels. Um, one is like you said, telling the world on like actually accentuating the differences and why you might be better than another. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't mean saying your positives doesn't necessarily mean you're like singing their negatives. Right. So you don't necessarily have to like bash them. Um, and if anything, that does come across as like we're insecure and some other things in these types of articles. Yeah. Um, but I think like what we're talking about is, you know, comparing features or saying like this, our, our software does this particular task better because of X, Y, and Z and not like, you know, everybody else is horrible. We're so great. It's like, it's not like that. It's just, it's a, a rational comparison. Right. So one of the things that I love about this too is I think secretly it also gets people at least early stage founders in the, in the mindset of positioning, right? Like we're always talking about positioning and what's your advantage versus other competitors. And even when we're analyzing markets, so like what better way, if you have trouble writing these, you're like, why do I stand out? Why would they pick me? And it's kind of almost like I do need to, pick a leg to stand on and and pick a, a reason why they do think I should be differentiated or why they would pick me. And it might be price. It might be very simple things. It might be just mm-hmm. better service, might be more enterprisey or whatever else that might be. And that's okay. But, you know, make that really clear. And as a founder, you should be thinking about these things anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling a little under pressure here because now it's like, I've got a few side projects that really could use some alternative pages on them. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that probably a little later, potentially in this, in this episode. Um, but two other things um, on, advan- on the, the verses and 
competitor alternative types of pages. Um, another piece of that is like, and I've told my team internally is like, if you're not driving that conversation, then someone else is. So it's like your opportunity to say that. And mm. if it's almost, you're doing your own self a disservice if I am not saying it right. And then someone goes and isn't comparing you and you don't, you know, you don't get a chance to say, well, this is why I'm better. This is why you should pick me. And that's okay. Yeah. And I, I think maybe, maybe we, as founders, we think, um, well, you know, my marketing page will speak for itself, right? My marketing page lists all of my features. It lists all of my strong points. So, you know, anybody with eyes can see that mine is better. But I think that what's important here is that it's about the search intent. It's about like, what are the questions that that person is asking who has to make a decision about what software they're going to choose. So if you can be the person that tells them why, um, then at least, like you said, you get to tell the story and you also get to be the one of the results for that search intent. Mm -hmm. Yep. So the last point I want to make up about why, you know, these types of pages are really important as well. One, like they're not blog posts that you could keep updating them. You can update it with your latest features, your latest positioning, your latest information. Um, this is likely what you're doing on the homepage anyway. So even if you're just getting started, you don't have to worry necessarily about like a blogging platform or getting other people involved in writing this copy and things like that. Two uh, is you are you're actually going to be able to rank very well for this very fast. So we talked about time to rank. And if you're putting yourself in these shoes, like uptime robot versus status list, yeah. if you don't rank on the first page for that, something is broken. Because <laughs> <laughs> you are you should rank for your name. Like, yeah. So if anyone is searching for that or someone types in uptime robot versus, you know, you might be able to get on the first page of that. Obviously, they're not going to find you unless they're putting in status list as well. But you have right. the potential to rank in there very quickly because it does involve your name. Yeah, and I guess you're also piggybacking off of the other person's domain ranking too because I'm thinking of um, most people starting out don't have much of a name brand yet, right? Like most people don't know what status list is. And so if I do an uptime robot versus status list, at this point really what I'm hoping for is that I'm going to get some of the uptime robot juice coming towards my site. Um, but over time, you're right. Like, if people get to know what status list is, then it becomes you become one of the first results. Well, one of the important things that you brought up there is since no one knows you, a, a better strategy might be a a uptime robot alternatives page because mm -hmm. if you can do something like that and list yourself <laughs> yep. along with that, right? So they're not going to search for uptime robot versus status list, but they would search for uptime robot alternatives, right? Mm -hmm. So now that's something you could probably rank for um, a little more challenging than having your name in there. Um, but again, what this all starts to swirl around, which is kind of my last point about like kind of getting started in SEO is all of this is about authority on a topic. So like, it's not a level playing field where anyone that's going to write about, you know, uptime software, like even on my referral rock blog that we have, you know, tons of domain authority, all these other things. If we started writing about, you know, uptime monitoring, like we're not going to rank very fast because we have no authority on it. But yeah. 
you start telling Google essentially by the content you're writing what you're an authority on. So if your articles are about uptime monitoring, like response times, HTTP code, something like that, it starts to kind of build a model that you do have an authority in those areas. So all those versus articles, all of those things add to that mix. And so like, like I said, getting ranking quickly, the authority is going to matter. And all the strategies we've talked about already, which is the, the verses and alternatives and, and things like that are going to, you know, you should be able to be picked up quickly, which adds into my whole, like being in the conversation strategy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes complete sense. Cause like, if you think about how Google is trying to do it, right? Like they have to come up with some sort of computer model that's actually going to be able to figure this stuff out, right? So mm-hmm. the more indicators you give them, the better off you're going to be. Like the the more pages that talk about specific topics and synonyms with that topic, um, that gives them more signal. That that makes complete sense. Which, like, one of the things we won't get too far into, but the whole like backlinking and building up backlinking and authority and things like that, which is a whole nother topic, but just one that slightly relates in this area is all those listing pages. We talked about Captera and G2 doing programmatic things, but uh, I, I feel like some founders are like, oh yeah, okay, I'll get to that. I'll get to updating that profile. But those are all going to link to you. Those are all going to add context to the conversation out there that Google knows like who should be included. So mm-hmm. Complete all those profiles. Those are all like relevant linking and relevant things to get you some level of authority in the like like for our example, um, you know, uptime monitoring or monitoring website monitoring space. So having those profiles updated, having those things point to you, it's like these are all easy pickings yeah. that essentially. And if you're going to write, Nate is now next going to write an article on like best practices for you know, monitoring websites or things like that, it shouldn't be that challenging to rank for pretty quickly if you've built some base level of authority with some of the things we talked about. Yeah. And like filling out those profiles too is really easy. Like I think they, they almost all of them are the same format. It's like, you know, four pictures, a, a tagline, a description in your, your website link. Um, and there's a number of sites out there that do it. So it's just like you go and do those takes you a half an hour or whatever. And, you get a whole bunch of backlinks for that. Yeah, I feel like there used to be some services that do it. I don't know if there still are. Oh, um, probably. Uh, yeah, I, there was one way back. I think I used called like Startup Lister. It was like you basically fill out a profile, give them a couple images, and then they would use some VAs essentially to go out and seed all these accounts. You'd give them an email address you wanted to get set up with, and they'd kind of go to town and put you on, you know, fifty of these sites crazy (laughs) so um but yeah i think those are the base points it's not as difficult start building this early um and build build authority and the last one was i think more on like use of gsc i don't think we'll get too far into that maybe we will more actually in this this second part of this episode which i think i wanted to cover a little bit more on your project and how how, uh, what questions you have on an SEO front for your programmatic SEO that you're doing right now? Yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with that over the last week. If you, two weeks, actually, if you follow me on Twitter, you can uh, see my monologues. Um, but, uh, basically with product sonar, 
Um, that's the competitive intelligence um, side project I've been working on. Um, I've been basically building out um, all these company profiles for, I think I have about 7,000 companies on there. And I'm trying to list, be, get ranked for like alternative to or competitor of or, um, you know, changes to uh, type of keyword in, or search intents for each of these companies. Cool. So this kind of goes right into part of our conversation earlier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So kind of what I've been doing, like I, my first pass at it was um, just to get public profiles out there um, and get Google to start looking at it. And uh, what I found with that is just like Google doesn't actually crawl your whole site at once if you have a lot of pages. So Google still hasn't crawled all 7,000 pages. I think they're at 3,500 now or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they do probably 1,000 every week or so. So I thought that was pretty interesting, just like the, you know, the bot side of it and just watching that you, sort of thing. Is this just you looking at in GSC and looking at the results of the pages showing up or are you actually looking on the indexing side of GSC? So in GSC, there's a coverage page mm -hmm. um, and the coverage tells you what pages they've all crawled. Um, and so you can see like kind of like a ladder, you know, the first first step is like a thousand or something like that. And then a couple of days later, it bumps up. Right. Right. And then you're using, I'm assuming, again, these are kind of getting into the more technical roots of this, but I'm assuming you are generating your own sitemap and some other things that are going to seed all of this. Yeah. So that's kind of how I got Google to know what's all there. Um, I just put up a sitemap for it. Um, it's like ginormous file, takes a while to load. Um, so I set up the sitemap in robots.txt. Uh, um, fun fact, if you break your robots.txt like I did and get it to return like a 500 or something, Google just like throws up its hands and like just stops all crawling or any indexing. So wonk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch out for that. Yeah, and um, just 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 to recap for people that don't know what a sitemap file is. So that's a pretty standard uh, it's an XML format. We won't go into details of XML, but it's essentially giving Google a hint on what pages you have. And I think there's some other data on there like how frequently you want to crawl it or how frequently you think it'll get updated. So it just kind of starts to provide hints for them mm -hmm. um, on how they should, you know, be crawling, be crawling these pages specifically. But once it's loaded into the their Google Search Console, you can tell it where your your sitemap file is. Or actually you can have multiple sitemap files per domain. Yeah. Um, that's what starts the process of them actually knowing those and hopefully crawling, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise they do discover them as well. Uh, it just takes a little bit longer for them to do that. Um, and with, with the sitemap, like really like the one that I have is literally just a list of all of the pages that I have, um, and where to get them. So that was kind of fun. That's kind of like the first, I guess, stage of getting things set up. Um, and then one thing that I found that was really useful, um, is there's an actual like a, a tester in Google Search Console where you can put in one of the pages on your website. You can get Google to crawl it, and it'll kind of tell you like what it looks like, you know, how it's how it's crawling, just to make sure that everything's working properly and whatnot. Um, and that was kind of the that's kind of been the tool that's really been my friend for the last little while. Just 
making sure that everything's polished the way it should be so that Google is actually reading it um, and just like understanding like what are they getting. Okay. One interesting thing that I made me think about this that you said it's one big file is I, I'm used to using WordPress and a lot of other tools. And oftentimes what they do is they break up the file into multiple files. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if there's something to that to yours, since you have so many pages, um, oftentimes you'll see Google will like your first one is sort of can serve as a way to like index and tell you, I think potentially where other sitemap files are. So you can start to break it down and maybe there, maybe your file gets too big and it, that attributes to slower, slower adding to their index. Makes me Yeah, I should, I should text that. I'll, uh, I'll take a look at that. There's, um, if, if you're ever really stuck on like some weird SEO thing, um, there's a guy called, I think it's John Mueller. Uh, he hangs out on Twitter quite a bit and he's one of the, the Google search guys. Um, mm-hmm. he has a lot of good, uh, comments on particulars like that. Like, oh, we check for this, but we don't check for that. And those kinds of things. Yeah. All the, all the big blogs that are always reporting on like very tactical and technical SEO things like search engine land on all these other ones. Like anytime John Mueller says anything, essentially yeah. <laughs> it's like they write an article about it. Yeah. Yeah. He's like really big deal. Yeah. So then I guess about like a week ago. So I, I submitted to Google search console, my 7,000 pages, probably three, just approximately three weeks ago. And, you know, probably five days went by and I was noticing that I wasn't getting the best results yet. Like it didn't seem like there was getting ranked or I wasn't getting uh, shown in the search results very much. And so I started to play around with some of the, the structure of the pages. Um, I had an H1 tag on each one, which is really important. Uh, that's like the title at the top of your page kind of thing. Um, but I wasn't getting the, I didn't have any sub uh, titles. Uh, to kind of give an indication as to like, well, what's on this page other than just like a whole bunch of text on a newsfeed. And uh, so I kind of went down this rabbit hole of, you know, tabs versus headers, because there's a whole UI thing. It's it's pretty when you do tabs, right? You can tab back and forth. But um, I was worried that Google wasn't going to index the stuff that was hidden, right? Because your tabs, you only show one tab at a time. So I actually found out that um, Google will index your hidden tabs as long as you have the um, the accessibility tags all hooked up properly. Um, but what I ended up doing just to hedge my bets is I did an all tab, which has all of my items, and that's shown by default with my subheadings on there. And then mm-hmm. the other tabs um, are still there that you can just see one of those headings at a time. Nice. So that's like a super nerdy technical bit of it. Um, so back on, on some of the results though, um, hmm. like you were posting things onto Twitter about the impressions. So impressions are when it just shows up in a search result, whether yeah. you get a click or not. I That's am dying to know, have you gotten any clicks yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Well, again, uh, this is all pretty fast. So like this is all in the past two weeks, I'd say, right? Yeah, and well, I'll tell you another story, which is why it only really matters now. Um, I found out that 
Google says that they render your JavaScript, and they do. That's true. They render your JavaScript. But what they don't tell you is they randomly will select uh, assets on your page and not allow network access to those assets. So they'll just pick a random image on your page and just not load it. Or they'll pick Mm -hmm. a random JavaScript file and not load it. Mm -hmm. And so I was finding that uh, one out of every three pages that I had was not being indexed properly because either it wasn't loading some Ajax that I needed to like render data or it wasn't it wasn't pulling in one of my JavaScript files because my site's in React. It wasn't mm-hmm. pulling in one of my React files, um, which basically would break the whole thing. So right. that was really bad. So I managed to fix that problem yesterday. And basically, the only way to get around that is to use pre-rendered stuff. So whether you do server-side rendered or you capture a snapshot of what your rendered page looks like and then serve that out. Um, so there's, there's services that'll do that. Um, I ended up because I was scraping anyway, I just kind of did my own little thing. Um, but now I serve out for any bots. Um, I serve out a static HTML page and that HTML page gets updated periodically, um, just to make sure that it stays in sync with my, my site. Okay, cool. Yeah. So as of yesterday, that's when I started having the statically rendered pages. Um, and so that's, that's actually a good thing to do statically rendered just because Bing doesn't do any JavaScript. So, um, yeah, if you're on WordPress or something like that, it doesn't really matter. It's more for if you're on one of these J- JavaScript, um, platforms like uh, Next.js or React, that's when you get these sorts of problems. Interesting. Okay. So, but the impressions have been climbing like quite a lot, especially in the last, in the last day, um, so I think if I go over my, you know, three week period here, I think I started out at, well, zero, but I was going up by probably 30 impressions per day for about a couple of weeks for, or sorry, for like two weeks, kind of took a break for a minute. And then now it's just jumped up by a hundred in the last day. So that'd be on Tuesday. It jumped up by a hundred. Are you looking at specifically what these impressions are for? Like in terms of like what are the what are the actual keyword queries? Because my mind is naturally drifting. You have seven thousand out there, so that's a lot of noise to kind of pick through. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to pick one as the mo- one of the more Im- impression heavy ones, is like because you can do that in Search Console. You can drill mm-hmm. in and just say, "Look at this page. Tell me what the impressions are. Where are the trend lines? Like, what is it?" actually picking up because again this is google trying to figure out where to place you in their search rankings and what is it what does it think it wants to place you at right because like that may not exactly match what your pages are at um Mm -hmm. but you're in their index especially when you get first in it they're going to try to tinker you around and try to find a home for you where it's going to get clicks they want you to get clicks i mean yeah sort of (laughs) (laughs) yeah they do right um, and it seems to be that a lot of the queries are for the actual name of the company and like either just the name of the company um, or the name of the company with like competitor um, mm-hmm. and monitoring seems to be popular. So like I've got a couple people that I'm tracking that their name includes monitoring as well. And so then those those seem to rank higher than everybody else. Um, so so what's, the, an, like, what's an example? Yeah. So okay. one of them is like I have the searchmonitor.com. 
And they're like this, they're kind of like a marketing competitive intelligence side of thing, or not marketing competitive, marketing, um, like, um, kind of like Ahrefs idea, like that sort of thing, where it's like checking what your competitors are doing for ads and that sort of stuff. But they have a lot of similar uh, words to what I use on product sonar. And so they seem to be ranking quite high compared to everybody else. Wait, I'm, I'm confused. You're just lo looking at their search results or you're looking at like what you are like or in your... I'm, I'm trying to think of like what page on your site and what is the search result that and keywords that you're getting impressions on. Right. So I have a profile for the searchmonitor.com. Okay. On my site. And okay. that page is getting far more impressions than any other page on my site. Okay. All right. And I think it's because we have kind of keyword overlap. Their site has similar keywords to my site. Okay. And so the, yeah, the, I mean, this is like the relevance thing we're talking about, right? So like, I mean, it's hard to kind of download this for a minute because it's, you're getting meta on it because it's like you're, you're, you're programmatically listing a competitor that is very similar to you mm -hmm. and seeing what, and that's the one that is getting the most things, which almost kind of our, our, our description of like, authority, building authority on a topic. Mm -hmm. So Google knows at least you're trying to do something based off of the stuff you're doing on, on monitoring. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, and then other than that, it's just like, you know, fill in the name competitor, um, seems to get some traction, but not really that much yet. Okay. All right. And then, so in this, like, what is your hope that someone is going to, because if I, I, if I, as an end user, I'm looking for a competitor for something like, uh, yeah. I mean, let's just take, we'll take, again, we'll take a status list. It's like uptime monitor competitor. And I come across product sonar yeah. and a listing. I'm not looking necessarily looking for analyzing competitors. I'm just looking for the list of competitors. So seems like a stretch to me. I mean, maybe I'm not on target, but it seems like a stretch to me that that would help you per se. Yeah, I didn't say that it was going to help me. I'm just saying that's <laughs> what I'm ranking for. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so that's that's one of the things that I'm trying to figure out is how to, like I have this data on my page, which is like website changes, which is like um, positioning changes, which is like... Um, pricing, competitors, all that stuff. And what I'm trying to do is figure out, well, what what search terms are people using to look for that type of information? Um, mm -hmm. And then how do I work those into my pages? Mm -hmm. Because right now I just have like headings for, headings that make sense for the content that's shown, right? So like you have a list of competitors, it would say competitors, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so that's kind of the trick I'm trying to figure out. Okay. I mean, it could still help you. I'm not saying it isn't going to help you. Like yeah. also a, a person that is searching this is probably a product manager that's looking for competitors on their, who else are their competitors by searching their own name or by looking at different markets. And that person probably does a lot of alternative and competitor types of searches mm -hmm. and bringing some 
awareness that your product does that and they like your profiles, they like the intel you're providing, it's like, oh, okay, this could be yeah. interesting. Yeah, and one of the things that I've been kind of playing around with is to try and make my pages somewhat unique um, just because Google will penalize you if your pages are too similar to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've tried I've been trying to do things like with the descriptions, for example, like the you can make a meta description that Google will, will look at and show in the ranking results. So like when you show up under a Google search, they put that little description, right? Um, so I've been working on kind of doing special formatting for those, like this competitor or this person, you know, Uptime Robot has changed their, or released two product announcements in the last five days um, as like part of the description. So that way it becomes very, it feels more handcrafted and less robot-y, I guess. Okay. So, because I've kind of been struggling with that, like it's, all of these things kind of have to go in a template, right? I'm not going to write 7,000 pages. Um, but at the same time, they do need to be somewhat specific so that Google doesn't be like, hey, you're just saying the same thing over and over again. Right, right. Uh, I mean, and also it just makes me wonder too how like, your competitors for ranking for these terms um, all those listing sites we talked about are all your competitors, like <laughs> the yeah. G2s, the Capteras, this, you know, all these listing pages. Um, it's like, how can you match that user's intent? How can you give something unique? And I just wonder too, like you look at those results, like if I'm to Google that, I just see all these listing pages. So, yeah. So, I've kind of been trying to phrase my stuff in terms of a competitor, competitive report um, or mm-hmm. a position report. And so that way it becomes more, I think that will tailor, that'll drift me away from the people who just want alternative to um, mm-hmm. and get me more towards the people who are trying to do research. Right. Is that, is that something you've seen picked up in queries or anything? Like, how would, like, what is the, if someone is looking to do more competitive research, how do they go a step further and get outside of just the, you know, these listing pages? Like how would they alter their query? Yeah, and I think that it's it's kind of a guessing game at this point, but um, I think that probably they're gonna spend more, they're gonna put longer tail queries in for like, cause they are gonna spend time on the G2s and the Captairs cause they wanna see the user reviews and stuff on there. Um, but if um, you know they're searching for this person competitor user reviews or something like that, then I might be able to rank for something like that because I have all of that information on one page as opposed to, you know, on different sites or something like that. I don't know. I'm just kind of guessing at this point. <laughs> okay, I I do wonder if something like um, like something like a if you were to if you were to query for like uptime robots like uh i don't know product strategy or some other things that just like how else will someone search for those mm-hmm. it could be still very low hanging but at the same time much higher intent for what you're trying to do and maybe it's like i, I feel like the competitor in those space like trying to find that stuff might be yeah. uh just just further drifting away from what you actually do, which is instead it's like, like you said, like website changes and other things or, 
or like recent news or funding news or other other things that kind of someone that is of a uh doing competitive intelligence work mm -hmm. would search for like they're probably like alternatives is one but what other ones would they start to go to that's like it's like okay what is their messaging it's like yeah. okay what you know what what are what is their positioning and they they think in those terms right they're pmms more than likely yeah. so they yeah. they think in positioning and messaging so they could be just like what is their messaging and it's like they might go to their web page and look but it's just like um i don't know if people are actually going to put that into a search bar so that's the question yeah cuz i guess if you think of uh, that would be something to check into yeah or also another interesting thing is like you ever go on the Google News um, tab, like uh, yeah. most recent articles and things like that. Like sometimes I'll do that, right? Like when I'm, I'll search for a query and then I'll be like, well, what I really care about is like what, not necessarily the best search results right now, um, but I might care about like the news feed, which I think picks up a little differently. And that might be a, a schematic difference. So if you are, if you end up having something like Uptime Robot and it's like their blog posts or their other things, it's like you could say like, oh yeah, they changed their headline from X to Y. And if mm -hmm. you're using the Google schema stuff that is more like, hey, this is a feed item. This is like a this is something that is more timely and updated. I'm basically programmatically creating this. So if someone's looking at like Uptime Robot News which not everyone will do because it's like, who? Do, why do I care about what's in the news for Uptime Robot? But as a, as a person doing competitive intelligence, I do because I'm mm -hmm. looking like funding news, other, other things that are surrounding not really as directly related, but like what's current events with Uptime Robot. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if something like that and looking at the different like schema types, if you know what I'm talking about. With uh, Yeah, that's interesting. That would be interesting to like, although I think like you might have trouble ranking over the uptime robot because like they would be the authority on that probably, but that would be interesting to see how that would work. I mean, uh, the big thing is I think you have to see if this aligns, right? Cause when it gets back to it, we're talking about SEO and distribution, but if, you know, this may be a very low wide hanging like a, a low hanging fruit, long tail keyword types of things that might get you some traffic, but at the same time, these results are still what is selling your product, right? This is still kind of like, here's the type of intelligence you get with my yeah. product. Um, these are some sample pages. These are detailed, but Hey, do you want to get these automatically? You want to get these other things. So, um, yeah. you have to remind yourself of like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not building it for Google. If that's still like a long piece, I might be able to get eke out a couple with a couple of these strategies, but it may not perfectly align. And the reality mm -hmm. is hopefully you're still building a product that is going to align with a customer that wants to pay you. So. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the goal all along. It's just a matter of, yeah, how do we how do we maybe get part of this funnel, you know, coming towards me, gets part of the the search traffic coming in this direction. Yeah, so that that's what I worry about is that you're getting deviated towards too far on this SEO track. I don't know how much time you're investing into this yeah. and like trying to tweak this. It's it's fun. It's it's fun to code and it's fun to try to programmatic solve a problem SEO wise like with code um, that can make seven thousand pages versus 
uh, writing 7,000 blog posts, like you said. Um, <laughs> um, obviously, things like, you know, we know of other strategies like built with and some of these other things that have done some things like that, that those strategies can align very well. Um, I, I do wonder that that competitor you talked about, I'd, I'd look, I'd be interested in looking at what their Ahrefs profile is um, and how much traffic and which terms and which ones they're getting at, like what publicly, yeah. what what they're ranking for and like, hey, do I have those profiles in mind? Like, let's see what else uh, I can get out of that. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. Like really what it comes down to is do more research on like where, where, where would the people be searching for these types of things? And I haven't really been doing that so much just because um, I feel like every time I look at my search console, it's like something else is broken, right? Um, and so kind of getting that sorted out first, maybe. But that that yeah. is uh, something to work at for sure. Yeah, that's like I said, that's my worry is you could, it's so easy to just like be into this gamification cycle of that type of stuff yeah. where if you're stepping back, you're not playing the right game, right? Like right. you're, you're, you're drilled in too far and it's fun and I'm not going to take that away from you. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. um, no, I'm glad you so, brought that up. So, which does remind me, I know we, we are, if anyone that has listened to earlier episodes of our, our podcast, which is I'm, my whole goal was like trying to not get you to code, but I guess that's failing now. Cause you're <laughs> coding things you're off and, and, uh, kind of deep diving into some things, but again, I don't want to take away the fun from you. <laughs> um, but I do want to get back to the business fundamentals at some point of like mm -hmm. how you see, you know, people eventually like paying for your product and how you're going to get, this is an experiment in distribution. If it could work, that'd be great. But if you find out and kind of set yourself a, a timeline of like, all right, I might have to actually start looking at other distribution aside from this programmatic one that I'm hoping I can basically code myself a distribution channel. Yeah. Well, like kind of what this started with was, um, I had a number of conversations with people, um, and I was finding that people were resonating somewhat with the message of like what product sonar is, um, but not really understanding what it would do. Um, and so this is kind of a proof of concept. And, um, I think you're right. Like I gotta get back to talking to more people. Um, just people that could be potential customers and just make sure that I'm still on the right path. Um, this whole distribution thing was just kind of like, Hey, I've got all these, this information. I should, I should share it with the world and at least maybe get some credit for it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I see that out there. I don't know how much time you're spending on it, but just trying to make sure yeah. you're not spending too much, too much, too much invested into your side quest over there. So yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I think that's, so out of any of the stuff we kind of talked about, um, has this, has this changed your, I don't know, has any of the SEO conversations, what, what types of things have, you know, made you, made you maybe rethink your strategy or anything else you would take away from even our earlier parts of the conversation about SEO for SaaS founders? Yeah, I think like the the competitive uh, and alternative to pages. Um, I think that that could be um, something useful just to you know put up put up uh, an article of you know me compared to some of the people I see myself as competitors to. Um, I think that'd be helpful both for myself in articulating my position, but also for 
um, some some traffic that way. Um, I don't see myself doing like a full content type strategy quite yet, um, but that's definitely something down the line. I think that would be useful. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. The last thing I'd add is for most people that do start doing the content side, I would say you're kind of ex excluded a bit because you're doing so so much on the programmatic side. Like you're mm -hmm. using your app that is also your your home site. Um, yep. One thing that I think is especially interesting for SaaS founders is, especially if you're technical, you're going to, you have a hammer, you're going to build everything in code and all of those things, right? So, yeah. and I know you've done WordPress sites and other things like that in the past, but most people, their app does not generate like SEO, right? Their app itself. Right. Yours is an exception. So, yeah. um, but most people, I give the advice to not like to fight the urge to code it because. Mm. You're, then you're essentially tethering yourself or tethering that it needs a developer to produce content. And to as fast as you can, go to a CMS, go to a WordPress, go to a Ghost, go to some other platform that has publishing and editing and other things that may be easier because eventually those are the things you can outsource. Those are the things you can get other people to be involved that are not technical. So a lot of people don't, or wait a really long time to decouple those. And that's also a stumbling block because they're like, well, uh, how are they giving to me? And then I got to translate it into Markdown or I got to do all these other yeah. coding things to get it out there. And do I get down this dark tunnel of like coding my own sitemap <laughs> files and all these other things? I know there's plugins and all these other things too, but you want to concentrate most of your coding time on your actual app, not on necessarily content and SEO stuff that kind of is well trenched with things like a WordPress. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. Cool. All right. Cool. Anything else you have to add? No, I think this has been, uh, this has been really helpful. This has been good. Cool. All right, Nate, I'll see All you right. next week. See ya. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share with a friend. We're new to this podcasting thing, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. Tweet us at Searching for SAS on Twitter. That's Searching, the number four, SAS. Or send an email to searchingforsass at gmail.com. See you next week.